Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, it is Family Sunday, and I just like on Family Sunday to remind uh, parents, because I'm a parent, uh, to remind those that have young kids, because I have young kids, that sometimes when on Family Sunday we hear extra little noises, and there's not a person in this room that doesn't uh, that doesn't uh, love those noises that happen from kids on on Family Sunday. So we're glad they're with us and a part of us. Um, and uh, I know there's been times when I've been a little self-conscious as a parent. Um, and we just want to tell you that you don't, you don't need to be self-conscious uh, on Family Sunday when we have uh, noises coming from our, our extra guests that join us um, on Family Sunday. As we begin today, we're going to go straight to the Word of God as we uh, turn to the book of James. We have uh, been on a summer series as we've gone through the book of James, and, and this week we're starting with uh, the beginning of chapter 4. So if you have a Bible or if you have a device that you uh, look up the Scripture, you could turn to, uh, and open that or direct that to James chapter 4. Uh, for our Scripture reading this week, we're reading the first 12 verses of uh, chapter 4 in the book of James. Out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, those who are willing, I'm going to ask that you uh, please stand as we read the Word together. A reading from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. What is the source of conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? You long for something you don't have, so you commit murder. You are jealous for something you can't get, so you struggle and fight. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't have because you ask with evil intentions to waste it on your own cravings. You unfaithful people, don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy, or do you suppose that Scripture is meaningless? Doesn't God long for our faithfulness in the life He has given to us? But He gives us more grace. This is why it says, God stands against the proud but favors the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will run away from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded Cry out in sorrow, mourn and weep. Let your laughter become mourning and your joy become sadness. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, don't say evil things about each other. Whoever insults or criticizes a brother or sister insults and criticizes the law. If you find fault with the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge over it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, and he is able to save and to destroy. 
but you who judge your neighbor, who are you? This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question uh, today. Uh, what did, that's the past tense version of this question, or what do, that's the present tense version of this question, what did or do you and your siblings have a tendency to fight about? Anything? Anything? You ever have a squabble with a, with a brother or a sister? Uh, Jacob's got another answer for us. That's awesome. Um, I, I look back and, and there, were, there were many things. There were many things um, in, in my life. And, and I, I was raised with just a couple of sisters, one that was four years younger, one that was four years older. Since then, my family tree has kind of turned into a family bush, uh, which, uh, you know, we, we had a blended family, and it just got crazy there really quick. Um, but I, I look back, and, and with my sisters, who I grew up with when I was younger, we just found a lot of things to to argue and bicker about. And I regret some of those things, you know. I uh, remember sitting, I, I remember sitting in, in the back seat of the car uh, with, you know, three wide, me and my two sisters, right? I was the middle child, so I never had to sit in the middle of the car. That was for the youngest sister. Um, but I remember, like, finding the seams in the seat, right? <laughs> Melissa's over the line, Mom. Um, uh Man, those were fun, fun days. Uh, we argued about what to eat. We, we squabbled about what to watch, what to do. We argued over the rules of that blessed game, Monopoly, right? What, what could you do? What could you not do? I was convinced that my older sister was manipulating my younger sister into unwise deals, tried to intervene. It was ugly. Um, even still today. We can get all, we can get all crossed up. Me, and, and my siblings. It's kind of easy to pick on siblings um, because a, a lot of us have them, and we each have uh, experiences with them. Um, and because siblings have to live with each other during those days of like brain formation, our brains just aren't quite all developed when we're hanging out with our with, with our siblings. Um, all the while learning how. To care, learning how to cope, learning how to socialize, how to de-escalate matters, how to disagree. Um, <laughs> I have so many fun and fun experiences with my siblings, um, and we still, to these to this day, know how to push each other's buttons um, fairly efficiently. Um, the reality of of some of this this conflict is is that I'm not really sure where all all the conflict came from with with my siblings. Proximity was a factor, but I'm, I'm grateful for that that time and the space uh, that we now share, and and that we that, that we had in that time and now share this relationship with one another, a deep love and a deep care uh, that we have. Um, but it took time to develop. It took time to develop, and, and certainly uh, is something that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. As we dive into this section of James, the, the, the start of this fourth chapter, um, James starts right at the cause of disputes 
and quarrels. He asks a question right off the bat. What is the source of this conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? In this chapter, James presents two sources of problems. Uh, two, two, two things uh, about which the, the people to whom he was writing um, were having issues. And the first thing that he talks about is the problem of appetite. The problem of appetite. The problem of, in our translation that we read together, cravings. Not necessarily literal cravings. Um, not, not food, but the appetite and the cravings that we all have and experience in our lives. There are things for which we have this hunger. There are things for which we say, this sounds really good. <laughs> this sounds really good to me right now. The cravings aren't necessarily, like I said, food-based. Some of us and some in the world today crave influence. Crave, crave influence, the chance to, to have control or to have power. There's others who, who crave relationship, sometimes in, in, in healthy ways, just wanting to reach out, wanting to connect with someone new, wanting to, to establish and build a deep relationship. Others in not so healthy ways needing that relationship, being so lonely that they're reaching out for anything and everything that would qualify. Some of us crave uh, affluence, searching out the almighty dollar. How am I going to be well enough off that I'm okay? And, and, and set some benchmark and set some goal and arrive there, and then what happens? Well, if I'm here, what does it mean to take the next step? What does a little more look like? And that word craving begins to describe our lives. Some of us craving independence, wanting to figure it out all on our own, be enough. All of these things can lead to conflict. That he had asked, what, where, where does all this conflict, where are all these quarrels coming from? And he talks about cravings. What's interesting to me is that as he talks about cravings, as he turns the corner into explaining where these quarrels come from, he describes the setting of where the conflict starts. And did you hear where it starts? It's not between you and me. It's not between you and me, but inside of us. James says the quarrel, the, the animosity, the, the, the bickering, the, the disruption of peace starts inside of us. The, the Greek word used here, um, according to, to one of the, the commentators that I read, Saraho, this, this, uh, this week says that this refers to, to the actual physical limbs of our body is where this conflict starts, that it, it starts within the limbs of our body. We ache for something so bad. We have that craving that we're searching after that our, our mind and our attention, it, that it, our focus is so intent that it affects the limbs of our body. It causes a war 
within us, a war within our body. Uh, in my life, I've experienced the caffeine headache, right? You know, <laughs> that when I have a craving so bad that, that uh, it affects my body. The picture here is so much more severe. That it makes, makes a picture of one who aches and longs so much and craves so much that a war begins in our body. But it moves on from this setting of internal to something that becomes external, something that affects how we play our lives out in relationship. From the setting of being within us to the external actions of causing trauma, causing pain, talks about murder, talks about struggle, talks about fighting amongst different people. Certainly we've seen and witnessed people who, because of the battle that's raging on inside of their minds and inside of their hearts, because of the cravings that have gone unchecked in their lives, we've seen the people who injure and traumatize and wound those who are around them. And when we're honest with ourselves, we say, Sometimes that person has been me. Sometimes I've been the one who've allowed the struggle inside to play out in the relationships around me. After talking about these cravings, James moves on to this second problem. Peter David says uh, these, these problems were the, were the causes of, of infighting, the, 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 the reasons for which people... We're having these struggles. And the second one has to do with friendship, has to do with relationship. The first one started as kind of this internal thing, this, this being at war within ourselves. And the second one is much more relational and interpersonal. James isn't, isn't very <laughs> complimentary at the start. He says, you unfaithful people. Now, the word unfaithful is is kind of sterile. It's kind of nice. Um, the, the real word is, is you adulterers. You people who aren't faithful to the marriages that you have been in, the, the commitments that you have made. You people who wander away from that and, and throw that away. So unfaithful people is kind of a nice way of, <laughs> a nice way of putting it. James has observed people who are, are apparently caught up in wanting to be like the world. Wanting to be like the people around them. And that's why he calls them unfaithful people. That's why he calls them adulterers. People who have said, I want to follow Christ. I want to follow the way. And yet the desire of their hearts leads them back to looking just like the rest of the world. I remember the, the scene from The Jungle Book. Remember when King Louis is singing to Mowgli, right? I want to I wanna be like you. I want to talk like you. I'm not going to. I shouldn't have sung. I apologize. <laughs> We're going to have to edit that out of the recording. But I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's kind of tricky. It's kind of tricky not to fall into that trap. 
I mean, we, we come to church and we worship Jesus and we sing songs and, and I think this is the setting where we're like, yes, I want to I be different from the world. I want to follow Jesus with all that I am. And yet we walk out the doors and we go back to work or we go to school. We live our lives and sometimes it becomes a little more difficult to separate ourselves from the word, to separate ourselves from the world, to, to vow to be different, to hold true to the commitment that we make. And James is seeing this and he says, we've become an unfaithful people. We've become an adulterous people. When we leave these walls, when we walk outside, we go as representations of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Not separated, not divorced from, not from, not, not separated from the commitments that we've made to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. James says, if you're friends with the world, if you are friends with the world, you've allowed yourself to become an enemy of God. But God longs for our faithfulness. It says, verse 5, faithfulness in the life he has given us, that God is the one who's given us this life, that, that this commitment and this, this covenant that we have made is a gift from God, something that has been extended to us, not something we've manufactured, not something we've figured out, not something we've accomplished because oh, we've got our lives kind of put together, decided to follow Jesus. He longs for our faithfulness. Even as we drift toward friendship with the world, it says we, we tend to venture in one of, one of two directions. The directions of pride or humility. What does that look like? Pride says, oh, you know, that's, that's not me. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm not doing that bad. I'm doing all right. Look at that other guy. At least I'm not like that. At least I'm not like her. That's the direction of pride. It's sometimes when we get caught up in being friends with the world, we have this tendency to be a bit defensive. Play the comparison game. Oh, that we would walk the humble path Oh, that we would say, Lord, forgive me. I'm not always right. I, I don't have it all together. I have room to grow. There's a story of the guy that, that met with Jesus, and he said, do you believe? He says, I do believe. Lord, help me with my unbelief. In that same moment, that tension of, of saying, yes, I believe. I want to follow you, but I'm broken. I struggle. James offers this scary warning. The Lord stands against the proud but favors the humble. Lord, have mercy upon me. Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me for those moments where I tend to walk towards the proud side. of that reaction. So what are we to do? 
What are we to do in the midst of this scenario that James talks about? When we find ourselves here, James has some incredible words of counsel for us, some incredible steps to take. What does he say when we find ourselves in this place? Allowing these quarrels inside of us, these cravings inside of us to affect our relationships or finding ourselves drifting toward the world. He says, submit. Who do we submit to? We submit to God. He says, resist. Who do we resist? The devil Why? So the devil will flee from us. He says, draw near to God. God, in turn, will be faithful to come near to you. Wash your hands and purify our hearts. What a beautiful picture of repentance. Amen? James gets it. James understands repentance, that it's a, it's a full body response. Wash all of me, God. Cleanse me from, from top to bottom. Make me a new person. These are the realizations of a, of a people who haven't lived into the commitment they've made to Christ. This new person And when God comes into our lives, we are, in fact, new creations. There's this odd sentence where James says, says, "Take take our laughter and turn it into mourning. Take our joy and turn it into sadness. For the person who is experiencing this repentance, that there is a humbling effect, a moment where we have to level with God and say, I haven't lived as I ought to have lived. Because lament is a true and important part of repentance. Make me new, Lord, help me walk with you. But God doesn't want us to stay there. God doesn't want us to live downcast and dejected lives. He wants a humble posture before him. And James tells us why. So that he can lift us up. Humble yourselves, verse 10, before the Lord, and he will lift us up. That is God's intent. That is God's intent. That's why James says, Lord, help our laughter turn to mourning, our joy to sadness, so that in that moment you can lift us up. We can have a joy and a laughter and a celebration that comes from being right with you. He wraps up this section with, with, with what David calls some, some good and practical advice. <laughs> some good and, and practical advice. He says, don't say evil things about each other. Don't say evil things about each other. In this world where sometimes we're so caught up in finding and labeling and vilifying the other side, whatever the other side is, do you know that in Christ Jesus there is no other side? That that's our primary identity? 
that that is who we're called to be? Brothers and sisters with all of humanity? And that if that doesn't change how we speak about the other, we have not caught a glimpse or a vision or a full picture of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. We get so caught up. Here James is shutting it down. And he doesn't say, you know, you know we're, we're supposed to be nice. <laughs> he doesn't say, we offer some moralistic or ethical argument for kindness or love or gentleness. Sometimes, sometimes the church, the church has, has sent those kinds of messages. We're, we're supposed to be kind and nice people. It's who we're, we're called to be. James goes one step further. For James, the critique of the neighbor is an assault on the law of God itself. That, that when you attack a, a fellow brother or sister, you fight with the law. You pick a fight with the lawgiver and judge himself. And, and, and don't allow God to stand in the place that God alone deserves to stand. Which kind of goes back right with what we were talking about, being prideful. Amen? How we treat one another, particularly particularly the ones with whom we disagree the most, reveals for us the condition of our own heart toward the very law given by God himself. James is bringing it this week. James is saying, this is important. This is how we're supposed to live. question for you, the question for me, will I be prideful? Will I stand as proud judge over the law by my rebuke of neighbor? And he goes back to the very first chapter of James. He says, be a doer of the law. Simply find yourself as doer of the law. Don't stand in judgment over it. For we are not judge. But James calls us to be doers of the word. Speaking ill of the one who disagrees with you is becoming friends with the world. It's letting the cravings get the best of us. Today as we close, we're participating in an act that, that separates us from the world. Today in Family Sunday, uh, we're going to be sharing in the sacrament of communion. And, and I don't know any other ritual, any other thing that we do in our walking with Christ that more powerfully demonstrates that our identity is found in this meal that Christ has instituted for us. And unites us with this worldwide body of people who are trying their best to follow Christ as well. <laughs> From the days of Christ 2,000 years ago until today, people who follow Jesus have shared this meal together. And today, as, as Sabbath has, has followed around the globe, hundreds of thousands of people have sat in places of worship that look similar to this and look way different than this. 
and shared together in the body and blood of Jesus Christ to say, this is my first commitment. This is what defines who I am. Millions of faithful folks have shared this meal together today, and today we're joining them. I'm going to ask the praise team and those who have uh, are prepared to help serve communion to us to come forward. Uh, today, as we, uh, as we celebrate communion in, in the Church of the Nazarene, we serve what's called open communion. What that means is if, if you've decided to follow Jesus Christ, if, if Christ is Lord of your life, then we invite you to participate with us. Maybe that's a commitment that you make today. Maybe you say, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't followed Christ in my life, but today I wish to. Don't fully understand that. You're welcome today to participate with us in communion. As we serve communion in this place, uh, we, we serve it a couple different ways. Um, first of all, we uh, ask you to come to one of our serving stations. There will be two that are right here in the front of the room and one kind of in the back of the room. Um, and there will be somebody holding a, a dish of, of bread. Our bread is gluten-free for those that may have sensitivities. But as you approach that person, um, they'll use a, a pair of uh, tongs and put a piece of bread uh, in your hands, and you can take that bread and dip it in the juice and partake of the elements right there. Um, we also serve communion in prepackaged um, uh, element containers. So if you prefer to receive communion that way, you can hold the person that's holding the juice in the bowl of elements um, and just take one of those uh, prepackaged elements, return to your seat, um, and partake of the elements back in your seat. It was about 2,000 years ago that Jesus gathered in, his, in, in what was called the upper room, what came to be called the upper room on the night that he was betrayed before he was crucified. And, and, and the, the disciples were sharing uh, a, a very scripted meal called Passover that was part of their tradition. And it was during this Passover meal that, that Jesus kind of changed it and made some, some unexpected modifications. In the middle of the meal, he took bread and he gave thanks for it. He broke it and offered it to them, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you share this meal, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup, a cup of wine, and he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant. And he gave thanks and he shared it with them. And he said, as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. As we share in communion today, we remember the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we worship. Let me pray for us, and then we'll partake together. Lord, today we commit to you. We offer our lives to you. Thank you so much for, for being our Lord and Savior and for calling us to a new way to live. As we come and partake of the elements this morning, we ask that you would remind us of your deep and great love for us. For as often as we share this meal together, we do so remembering you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. The table is set. The invitation is given. As the servers get in their places, I make this invitation to you. Come and dine. 
Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.